and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. We have another bonus episode for you this week. It is our Twitter Spaces recording from January 12th. We brought on Jesse from The Best Interest and Brennan from Budget Dog. And we celebrated Tom, who quit his 9 to 5 last week. And that is the topic, quitting your 9 to 5, which Brennan and Tom have done. Brennan to pursue Budget Dog, Tom to pursue his cheap, cheap closeout in real estate. And Jesse quit his mechanical engineering job to help people full-time with their money. Steven, Clint, and myself discuss our exit plans. This is a really great episode, probably most successful spaces that we have had. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is Wealth Wednesday. Each week, we discuss wealth building strategies that have worked for us. And this week is a heavy hitter, and I am so excited for it. Today, we're discussing quitting your nine to five. So tonight we have an all-star lineup on our panel. Between the six of us that we have up here as speakers, we have four that are millionaires, two that don't work a nine-to-five, two that are self-employed, and we're all under 45. We want to share what we have done to achieve our success in our careers, building wealth, and how we're living the normal nine-to-five routine. Our goal is that sometime tonight you'll hear a strategy or an idea that gives you another tool or a way to achieve your own financial freedom and your financial independence as you see and define it. So without any further delay, let's jump in and meet our panel. Let's start with our esteemed guests that we have with us tonight. I'm so excited to hear from Brennan and Jesse. Um, we'll start with you, Brennan, and then on to Jesse. Just a quick intro and introduce yourselves. Sure. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm I'm very appreciative of this. And a little bit of background on myself, guys. I'm 30 years old, just turned 30 um, in December. I'm married. I've been married for about six years from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I'm a double major in finance and accounting at the University of Louisville. Uh, I'm a CPA. And before I quit my nine to five to pursue Budget Dog, I was actually a Deloitte manager in the audit practice in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I'm an index fund investor, very avid in that. But I do have some Facebook and crypto allocations in my portfolio as well. So that's a little bit of a background of myself. Cool, Brandon. Do you want me to dive right in, Steve? I'll assume you do. I'll just keep on going. Uh, so thank you guys for having me. It's really fun to be here and, and to see some familiar faces and also some brand new faces. Uh, my name's Jesse Kramer. I'm 31 years old, engaged to a wonderful fiance. I live in Rochester, New York. It's very snowy. I've got two degrees, both in mechanical engineering, bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering. And I worked as an engineer for seven years, um, including actually on the James Webb Space Telescope, which some of you might know just launched last month. But I recently quit engineering uh, to help people full time with their finances. So that's now what I'm doing, not only nine to five, but also after hours, like in chats like this. And uh, one of my mottos is invest in knowledge from the Benjamin Franklin quote, you know, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. And that's kind of how I try to live my life. So thanks again for having me here, guys. Thanks, guys. So excited to have you with us tonight. Hi, guys. My name is Tom Brickman. I um, am the frugal gay. I am 39 years old, married to a 29 year old. I'm a dog dad. I'm located in Dallas, Texas. I went I have a bachelor's from the University of Toledo. 
I left my nine to five this week. I currently hold 17 doors in my rental portfolio. I am a stock investor in addition to my rentals and I am a new crypto investor and I am one of the regular co-hosts here every week on Wealth Wednesday. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Lauren. Thank you, Tom. And I have posted most of our bios at the top. Sorry, Brennan, I couldn't get the screenshot to work. So you can reference those. I am Lauren. I am in Florida. Sorry, Jesse, it's 70. I am a real estate investor and an index fund investor as well. I have 12 doors. Most of them are long terms right now in the process of transitioning a couple to short terms. And um, my undergrad is in finance from the University of Florida, Go Gators. And my, I got a graduate certificate in personal financial planning. However, I still have a nine to five. I sell corporate training. Um, so I have a pretty clear path to exiting. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But of course, this is really to mark, uh, you know, Tom's transition out of the nine to five, learn more about Brennan. And then Jesse, I love your your transition, you know, from engineering, but to helping people with finance is totally awesome. All right, Clint. Thanks, Lauren. Hi, everyone. I'm 43. I am married to my wife now for 17 years. Wow, that goes fast. And we've been together for 27 years. I am a father of two boys, 10 and 13. Like Brennan, I did an accounting major and have a CPA, and I also have a master's degree in accounting. I worked 10 years for KPMG on and off in different offices, different countries, like Green Eggs and Ham. I did not like audit anywhere I was. Uh, I've been in industry, real estate for 13 years, the last five as a CFO. I own eight properties, and as of the most recent update, we're up uh, about a million dollars from my last update, which is very exciting. So that brings the total value of the real estate holdings over $10 million, which has been a life goal. And uh, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about the fact that I've already hit it. Uh, in my spare time, I am a fantasy novelist and a personal development podcaster. My plan is to retire in five years and follow in the footsteps of Tom and Brennan. And with that, Steve, back to you, brother. Awesome. Thanks, Clint. Uh, I love that, uh, that net worth update with, uh, with the million plus increase. That's incredible. Uh, so a little bit about myself. I'm the reason why at the start of this, I had to say all of us were under 45 because I am 44. I'm married. I have three kids. I have a Bachelor's of Commerce degree um, from the University of Alberta, and I majored in Management of Information Systems. I'm a self-employed IT consultant, um, so I do a large-scale, I do large-scale implementations for organizations, SAP, Workday, incident management type of uh, databases and software. I've been investing and building a portfolio that's now in excess of a million dollars since I started working in 2003. So I do have a bit of an unfair advantage in that in being 44, I've had a lot of time to build a portfolio and let it compound, let it grow. But my focus has been a lot on passive income. And with my passive income, I can cover my budget. And so at this point, I work optional. A lot of that has to come from or does come from crypto mining that I do. So I run 
an Ethereum mining operation, and it makes me between four and five thousand dollars every month. I'll get into that when we go into details a little bit later. But that's a little bit about myself and my story. So what we want to do now is we'll jump into the main portion of the of the episode. If you have questions, please DM them to Lauren at Adulting is Easy. And as we go through, as she gets those, we'll put them forward and we'll answer those. So if you have any questions in particular to any of the panelists tonight, we want to hear them. Or if you have a story that you want to share or a question you want to ask directly, please request the microphone too. Uh, we just ask that uh, you keep the questions on topic and keep them direct. And it helps us to kind of just keep the flow going because we're only here for uh, another hour and a half or so. And so what we want to do first is turn the time over to Brennan. Brennan, if you could step us through your story and you're only 30 years old, you quit your nine to five, you're doing budget dog full time now, step us through what that was like and how you accomplished that incredible goal. Sure. So I think it started at 23 years old. I just graduated college. I was looking to that next big venture, which was my CPA exam, starting my full-time gig at Deloitte. And I was getting really serious about life. Like I was like, I'm, I remember specifically, I was walking around my wife's basement, which her parents house at the time I was pacing around and I was like, I'm going to knock off the CPA exam six months. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to drink an ounce of alcohol. I'm not going to hang out. I'm not going to go out on the weekends. I am focused on getting the CPA exam done. And that didn't happen, of course, as planned. And so that six months turned into two years. Um, but in the meantime, I started my job. So there's this eight-month lag from graduation in December until September. Um, a lot of you big four people know that you always start in September. And I started the, my, my job, and I still only had uh, one test done out of the four CPA tests. And I was, like, very bummed out about it. You know, my work schedule was picked up. It started getting busy, all that kind of stuff. But I cut off all distractions. I dedicated my life to better myself um, and to set up a uh, life for the future family I was going to have. At the time, it was just my wife and I or my, my girlfriend at the time. Um, no kids or anything like that. Friends and family did not understand it. I can tell you that right now. So I think a lot of this that anybody out here listening, you know, making significant changes in their life, you have people in your life that are knowing you as the same person the last 10, five to 10 to 15 years, your whole life even, they're not going to understand when you make some monumental shift. And that's what I did. And it rubbed people the wrong way. You know, not going out on the weekends, my friends would say, why are you not here? Like, why are you not coming out? It's like, there is nothing personal here. It's I need to focus on myself right now and make sure what I'm trying to accomplish actually gets done. So at the end of the day, I didn't care. Um, I loved all the same people I was, I was friends with and my family and all that stuff. So there was no bad relationships necessarily, but I, I didn't care. I, I knew what needed to be done. So again, my initial thought process was six months to be done. Two years later, I finally knocked the CPA test out. Of course, was struggling with starting a big four career, busy seasons, long hours, all that kind of stuff. But that really didn't change me it, or the CPA test. It didn't, you know, I, I succeeded with it. I passed it. But what I realized really, truly changed was not my credentials, my mindset. So during that two-year struggle, which absolutely sucked, I hated every second of it, 
my whole mindset changed. You know, I didn't want to go out anymore because I knew what I could accomplish if I didn't go out. Um, if I wasn't, you know, every single weekend thinking about what's on Friday night, what's on Saturday night, let's think about like, how can I build this business? And at this point in time, my, my budget dog wasn't a thing, but I was slowly getting myself to that moment. Um, so, you know, everything absolutely changed from financially, you know, financial um, aspect of it, fitness, education, relationships. Um, we started getting our finances straight. We were in a ton of debt for anybody who's following me for quite some time. We had $76,000 of non-mortgage debt um, that consisted of like a bed, an engagement ring, which I essentially financed through my wife, through Jared indirectly. Very bad move, men out there. Um but I did it anyways. Um, so for the, you know, I, we were in a good position and I, I was furious, honestly. Like I remember pacing around again. I do that when I get, when I start thinking I was pacing around my living room and my wife was like, what's going on? And I was like, we need to like, take care of this. Like our balance sheet looks like a tr train wreck. We have no investments. We have no significant, you know, things financially going for us when I mean, we, yeah, we bought a house. Yeah. We bought a car. Everyone's congratulated us, but it didn't really feel that way on the balance sheet. And so we got really serious. Like, you know, I was so focused on every level, um, cranking out spreadsheets, showing her different things, um, speaking in tongues half the time to her. She was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and eventually I got to the point where we had things kind of together um but we were still far away from accomplishing the goal we knew we were on that path finally um but we still needed to do it and i loved every aspect and every ounce of it and helping with people um locally friends and family started asking me because i was talking about it and you know in the circles i was around so helping them lit me up like i loved to help other people do the same thing i was doing and so i started talking to aaron about this a lot and one week i was on pto from deloitte um we have quite a bit of PTO. So I had a whole week off and I was sitting there. She was headed off to work and she said, why don't you start a social media account? And I sat there and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a very, very private person. As much as I put on the internet now, you know, I've gotten used to it, but two, three, four years ago, I, I wouldn't share an ounce of details of our finances with anybody. Um, and then I, she, you know, I hesitated. I did not create the account when she was gone that day. She came home that night. We were having dinner on the porch and she was like, why didn't you start that account? Let's talk about it. And I was like, all right, let's talk about it. So we started talking about a strategy and I had no idea about social media at this point. I'm like, I don't know. People like dogs and we have a dog and we, people like finance. Why don't we mesh the two together? Hence the name Budget Dog. And so everyone's like, you know, why is your name Budget Dog? That's literally where it came up. I, I didn't, I don't really know. Um, it was kind of uh, two niches that I was like, it sounds like a good idea. And it kind of stuck. So it just we just rolled with it. And so I was actually going to rebrand at some point in time. Uh, I did rebrand at one point in time. And I actually considered changing the name, but everybody liked it, um, regardless if they understood what it truly meant. Um, but it was literally started from a dog's point of view. So anybody that thinks they can't start a business, I promise you, you can. If I started a social media account with a dog, um, you, can start a, you can start your own business. Trust me. Um, so anyways, we went 16 months, um, zero income. So, but I loved what I was doing. I literally loved it. So I was just doing it every day. Like it was just, I would show up on Twitter, I'd show up on Instagram and I built, you know, a decent following. Um, and after that 16 months, I was like, okay, I need to focus on growth. You know, I started 
getting into the circles, talking to you guys and people, people like yourself of how to grow on social media. And I was like, I need to take this to the next level. And all of a sudden I, I focused on my growth and then pop the first month in, I think it was, I don't remember, maybe September of 2020, I made $4,000. Um, and I'm going to say that out, out loud exactly what I made. And, and that was a huge, I mean, from $0 to $4,000 on the side, it was like, wow, that's like, I mean, yes, it's, it's not maybe life changing money, but when you're making that out of nowhere, it's like, okay, something, you know, something clicked. Nothing too personal and stuff, but I am curious. So you go from zero to four grand. Yep. What, what's the source? So the biggest thing was my book. So my investing one-on-one book, that was my first like real product. That's what kind of took off. Um, because I think I had that following, but I didn't have a product or um, consultations at the time. My one-on-ones I do now or courses like budget to financial freedom. I, I just, I didn't have anything. I was just growing on a, growing a following. I, Figured I was like, oh, I might as well create a product, but I don't know what revenue is going to come from it. I had no idea. Um, in that first month, there was a there was a pre order, the pre sale and stuff brought in basically four thousand. I was just blown away. Um, so yeah, it was one. It was a one time thing. Definitely wasn't enough to quit my nine to five and you know say peace out to to Deloitte at the time. But I knew I was onto something. Um, and so I kept doing what I was doing, grow, focusing on following growth and. Um, building meaningful relationships within the space. You know, we're all virtually, but we all can talk to each other. Um, These spaces are very valuable. Um, Instagram lives. I do Instagram lives like almost every night. Building that core following and trust behind your brand is very, very important. And that's what I kept doing. Um, But I looked at it as like this. I was like, okay, we're, we're onto something. You know, my wife and I started talking about, you know, what's the next step to this? Because clearly we have something. And so I wanted to put a few things in place before I actually left my nine to five. So I wanted to have a legitimate and sustainable business model, not just a book, but actually you know, services and products and courses and all that kind of stuff. And I never thought social media was, was legit. If I'm being honest, I was very wrong. Um, I was worried about consistency with income. Um, it's been just as consistent as any other job I've ever had in my life. Um, and that's surprising to me. Um, I wanted consistency for six to 12 months above my nine to five salary. That was very important to me because I'm a very, as you guys all know, I paid off my house. I know. And I'm a very conservative person. So financially, I was like, if I'm going to actually leave my CPA job where I was a manager at a big four firm, my next step, you know, could have been senior manager and then partner or, you know, go off an industry somewhere as a controller or something like that with a very good career path. Um, I decided to cut, cut bait and do what I love. Um, so I was looking at it as like the next 25, 30 years, do I want to be doing what I'm currently doing? And the answer was no at the time. So I knew I had to pivot. I didn't know where that was. And all of a sudden there was this emerging business amongst me and I knew that was my path. So I wanted to pay off my house. That was a big reason I paid off my house. Um, another conservative measure is saying, you know, I don't know what this business is going to be long-term. I want to be very careful and have my expenses very low. Um, and we had a daughter on the way, which was huge. Um, and I wanted to be able to stay home for her because not only does it obviously cut cut um, expense from a daycare perspective, but it's it's just an amazing experience being able to stay home with your kids. And as, a, as the man of the house, I never expected me to be in that position, if I'm being honest. Okay, uh, Brendan, I'm yeah. just going to pause you there, and yeah. I just want to give you a bit of a break. 
Mm-hmm. I, I love where you're going with this, and I love how you took. Uh, you, we've debated um, the mortgage thing a little bit. I know you and a uh, fellow named Uncommon Yield have gone quite fiercely <laughs> on it, and it's awesome. Uh, and it, ironically, you both build your brands through this debate, and it's incredible. But I love how you did a very conservative play so that you could take a very aggressive play in another area, almost like a barbell. I, I, I know you know what I mean, mm-hmm. but that that's an incredible move, and I, I applaud you for that. I just want to give Lauren a chance to uh, – look, she's got her hand up there. So just if she has a question or a comment that she wanted to add on. Sure. Yeah. Hey, Brennan, I, I had a question. I love hearing your story. I hadn't heard it. I mean, I've seen like your tweets here and there, so it was really cool to kind of hear it all laid out like that. My question, and this probably is a good question for Jesse too when we get there, and I guess it's this idea of like sunk cost, right? Like you put a lot of time and effort to becoming a CPA, like like you just walked through with the tests and the studying. And then not only that, like for a long time, I mean, going to the big four, that's the epitome. Like that's like what all the accounting kids that I went to school with, like that was like, if you were good, that's what you did. So what was it like to kind of decide I'm not maybe going to use that in the same way that I thought I was? Yeah, great question. So this is how I looked at it is if you're an employer and you see somebody's resume and it shows big four and failed business, I would pick personally that person versus somebody that just took the safe route because I know that person would take chances and I know that person is serious about what he does. So when I looked at it like that, I said, I'm taking a chance, whether I fail or not, I could still fail. Like literally today I could still fail, but it's not something I'm fearful of per se, because if I am, then I'm, I'm just going to do the safe route my whole life. And you know, that's just not me. I, as conservative as I seem probably from a tweet perspective, I'm, I, I like to take calculated risk and I had something in front of me and I wanted to make sure that this happened. So that's really my thought process behind taking that leap of faith. You know, Deloitte mocked me. I mean, on record, uh, Deloitte did mock Budget Dog at one point from uh, from the partner side when I was telling them I was leaving. People don't understand. First off, you know the name Budget Dog does not make sense for a lot of people. But then, for me to say, "Hey, I have an Instagram and social media business," you know, somebody in that world doesn't get that. Um, and so it was definitely a challenge when I was leaving. People just were like, "What are you doing?" Like you're, my parents, even um, they had no idea. They were like floored when I told them I was leaving my Deloitte job that I went to school for, you know, my whole life. And now I have an online business. Um, it was definitely a, a shock to many. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. And that's, uh, so how old were you when you graduated? And then how uh, old you were 30 just right now, basically, right? Or 29 when you started or left that and did budget dog full time. And then I just want to give coach Clint a chance but I'm just curious that time frame that you were working full-time yeah six years so 23 through 29 awesome Clint you had a question yeah Brendan I'm wondering from the from the time that you thought budget dog as a full-time pursuit had potential until you created the roadmap to get there until you pulled the trigger how long was that total time frame for you to go from start to finish on pulling the trigger? Uh, and, ten, and how important was paying off the house as part of it? 10 months. And 
super important. Um, and so that was a huge push for why we did that. Um, I don't think we would have paid off the house if I'm being honest, if I wasn't ready to take this leap of faith, but with my, I'm just, I am conservative in the sense, like I like to have that fixed income salary. I mean, that's just a drug that we're all fed in the sense, but I, I do like it. I'm not going to lie. Um, I like to have that consistency. And when I knew that was going away, I, I wanted to pay that house off and our mortgage was super low. Um, it was only $1,500 a month. Um, and we refinanced at one point during that time to make it a thousand dollars a month. So it wasn't like we were living way above our means by any means, like any way, but it still made sense for us to pay it off, but it was only a 10 month process. Once we made our first real dollar and when I actually left was about 10 months. Incredible stuff. Love it, Brendan. Um, I just want to give Jesse a chance, um, to, to share his story. Jesse, do you want to share with us your journey with the best interest? Because I think a lot of us can relate to building that online brand. I know I can definitely, because I, I really hold you in high respect and high regard. I try to, I try to run a blog site and I always look at yours and I'm like, this is the template. This is the guy who knows what he's doing. And uh, if you could share your story, I'd love to hear it. Real quick, real quick. Just want to remind everybody that you can DM me at adulting is easy. If you have any questions, we are going to certainly give the floor to people to ask questions. So you can request the mic. I do want to definitely get through at least like Brendan, Jesse and Tom before we have any speakers, but we are going to be doing that. And also if you have to leave, um, this is going to be on the adulting is easy podcast feed. I'm going to try to pipe in and say this a couple of times tonight, just in case there's anybody that joined late. Also, our bios are all posted at the top if you missed that portion as well. All right. Sorry, Jesse. Go ahead. Oh, no problem. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear everyone's questions too. So I'll try to keep this short and sweet and, and maximize the question time. Thank you for the kind words, Stephen. So as Stephen alluded to, in, in 2018, basically three years ago right now, I started this little project called The Best Interest. My coworkers and I, you know, I was kind of lost in my finances and I slowly found myself. I helped some of my coworkers find themselves or, you know, find financial help. And they encouraged me to start writing. So I did. It started as a pretty bad blog. And in fact, I just sent out a tweet a couple minutes ago, if anyone's interested, to one of my first blog posts three years ago tomorrow. And it's a bad blog post. Like you guys can read it and you'll you'll think it's not that great. But I thought it was fun, I thought it was productive, and I thought it was helpful. And I think that's a really good reason to start a project. So really, my nine to five story today starts with me just doing a fun, productive, helpful project. And over time, because I really enjoyed it, I kept doing it, I kept getting better. I realized that people were reading my blog and that people wanted the help that I was providing, so I kept doing it. Because I was getting better at it, I was building useful skills. Little did I know at the time, those useful skills would later translate into a, a big career change. And because I was having fun with it, it was just something that I wanted to do anyway, right? So I think that's, that's a big thing. So if it's helpful, if it's fun, if it's productive, that's a good, good way to begin a transition that might end up mean you leave or quit your nine to five. So then, you know, fasting, fast forward a couple years... I ended up doing some things that I never would have expected when I started. Um, you know, some of my writing has been on CNBC, The Motley Fool, Yahoo Finance. And I realized more and more that people kind of wanted this. 
Um, I started a podcast, which right now is on a bit of a pause. But again, it's one of those things that it turns out that it's a really useful skill. So when I did my career change, one of the big reasons why is because I'm going to a new employer where I'm, I'm working in finance full time. I shouldn't bury the lead. I should have let you guys know. I worked as an engineer for seven years on stuff that goes out in space. Now I'm working in finance full time, helping people with their personal finance and investing stuff. And one reason why this firm decided to bring me on is because I've got this big online audience because I know how to communicate with them via written word, via spoken word. And they realize that I've built these skills that they can really use. So maybe that's really the biggest takeaway is that when it comes to quitting your nine to five or leaving your nine to five, for me at least, it started as a fun passion project, but it allowed me to build skills over time to a point where I had a flexible option. And I, I chose to leave because now I'm doing something day after day that uh, brings me a lot of joy and that I'm really passionate about. So I'll pause there. Um, if any of you guys have, have questions, feel free to lob them at me and I'll do my best. I did get some questions on the DM as well. Coach, did, did you have a question first? Yeah, Jess. I just wanna wondering if you can talk through the book that you recently launched and the process that it took you to put that together and bring the amount of collaboration that you had in that effort from the Twitter sphere and how it's been doing because you've been absolutely destroying it in your pre-launch. You've been killing it on the, on the gum road and it's amazing that you were able to bring together that many people for that effort. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Thanks Clint. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another a funny project. It parallels the career story in some way where we have these options to start things um, that can end up growing way beyond our wildest dreams, right? Like you can start a blog, you can start a podcast, you could start a little small business selling candy in your backyard and it might grow beyond your wildest dreams. So that's really what the book was. Um, I got inspired by a book by Tim Ferriss called Tools of Titans. Maybe some of you have read it in the book. Tim takes like a hundred or so podcast episodes that he, that he conducted and he pulls the best wisdom from each episode. And then he just kind of mashes it together into a book. And I kind of said, well, why don't I try to do that? But specific to money and the experts will simply be these, these smart, bright people I've met through social media. So I reached out to probably 50 or 60 big accounts from Twitter or Instagram and ended up getting 30 of them to say yes to this project. So we've got 30 authors, each writing a chapter or two on their specific topics um, that, that they're experts in, whether it's debt or investing basics or cryptocurrency from Steve. You know, Brennan wrote a chapter all about um, the investing basics, stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, that kind of stuff. And we put it in a book. And we all sold it to our audiences. You know, the combined social audience of the of the authorship is something like 2 million. It's a little over 2 million followers right now. And we've sold about 1,000 books, uh, some on Gumroad. It's also on Amazon if people prefer physical copies. And we've basically, we did a profit sharing agreement. So about $25,000 in revenue has been split amongst the 30 authors. Everybody's winning. A ton of people are learning. And it's just a fun thing to do. So that's the book. 
Well done. That's amazing that you were able to do that and in a short period of time generate 25,000 in sales. Super impressive, really. Thank you. Really appreciate it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Hey guys, real quick. Just if you're enjoying this space, feel free. It would, it would be really help everybody here if you clicked on the tweet button in the bottom right and tweeted it out to your followers just so we can get some more people on here. Um, I'm loving the conversation and I hope you guys are too. And we've still, certainly got a lot more to talk about. A question that I have from the DMs is about how you broke your the news that you were leaving your nine to five. So this is pretty much for Brennan and Tom, you know, how you broke the news at work and um, you know, how do you tell people about what you're doing now? Yeah, I can take this first. So I guess the first thing I, I mean, I really just put my typical two weeks in, there was nothing like earth shattering about it, but my response to it was definitely not like favorable. Um, lots of, you know, partners asked me to stay they were saying, are you sure you're going to, sh- you should be doing this, all this kind of stuff. But I knew I was very confident in what, what I had going on and they were on the outside, not, you know, not really seeing the big picture. So I felt pretty confident about it. You know, my parents, my in-laws and stuff still to this day, I think I just had a business insider article come out this past weekend. It's been two and a half years since I've been doing this. And I think now my family's kind of catching on to like, okay, this is, you got something going on here. So I think they're starting to come around to the idea of it, but it definitely would, it did not feel like that at first. It was kind of like, you're doing the wrong thing from every single angle. I'll go ahead and go. So I kind of did a similar thing where I gave two week notice. A lot of people asked why, what, where, and I transitioned out as quietly as I could. And I, I, I was ready for, I've been ready for it for, for many years. Um, I've been working towards it since I was 21 and I'm 39 now. So I tried and failed in 2019 to leave my nine to five. And then I, I surrounded myself with successful people every single week. And it was right about Thanksgiving and we were doing one of these spaces and coach Clint was giving advice to someone who asked a question and it was just so well said and so hit home and it just kind of lit a fire under my butt and it made me do it. So I did the, you know, I worked my two weeks. I I didn't announce it on Twitter. I just quietly posted that on my last day, which was Friday of last week and, and just transitioned out that way. And Tom, they, your coworkers, your boss, they had no idea that you had real estate. Is that right? I I have a old coworker in here listening right now. So some of them do, and some of them definitely get it. And some of them support it. And some of them are excited for me. A lot of them know about my, I have a resale business. I saw um, Crazy Casboys in here. That's a place that I source from. So a lot of them know about my resale business. Some of them knew about my real estate but I don't think that any of them really knew the amount of rent I'm collecting or the, you know, the work that I've put into it. Cause I've always had, I've been the one with rentals over the years, but no one really knew how many rentals, what are you doing? And, and no one really knew the gravity of the wealth building that I do through my, my resale business and how I've used that to, to buy real estate over the years. So Tom, Great advice aside, because I have no idea what I might have actually rambled on about that triggered it for you. What gave you the comfort that now was the time and you could take this step and you could succeed? What was it that allowed you to pull the trigger? 
because I've surrounded myself with other like-minded individuals. I started the Frugal Gay in March, attempted to start the Frugal Gay a few years ago. I, I started it in March, just started posting, started following personal finance. People started reaching out to people, started having conversations. And all three people that are up here on this panel are really the reason that I am where I am with my departure from my nine to five. I, I commented on someone's post about a rental and I started a conversation that way with Steven. And then Steven tossed me over to, to Lauren and said, Lauren, interview this guy. And that was my very first podcast. And I was super nervous. And, and Clint, I think it was very similar with you. We just started a conversation. We, we kind of align with a lot of our thoughts and a lot of our, our approaches and we just you know all three of you are how i got to this comfort level for so when i was 21 i bought that first property when i was 19 i started reselling and flipping merchandise so i've been doing it for a really long time i've used that resale money to buy real estate i've gotten to where i own half my portfolio in texas and half my portfolio in ohio i collect rent from 17 people I also sold a property to a tenant and he pays me the mortgage. So I'm actually getting 18 payments a month. And then when you mix in a, a really strong resale business, which I, I stick with what I know, I buy a lot of perfumes, colognes, purses, bras, makeup. That's what sells for me. And when you mix in 18 payments coming in from rents and you mix in some dividend income and you mix in resale and you surround yourself with the people up here, you've got nowhere to go but up. And you know what? I am struggling because this is my day three of my um, not going to a nine to five. I'm struggling as far as I have a ton of anxiety. It's very odd. It just feels like I'm on a staycation. I do schedule myself like today. I went to the gym today. I recorded a podcast today. I went and emailed eBay items, but it just feels off. And it just feels weird, but I know that I've surrounded myself and there's so many people in here that are listening right now who I've connected with and sent DMs with, and I appreciate, and they're all part of my journey. And that's really why I started the frugal game, because I think that it's important that everyone knows that you can build wealth without having a six figure income. I want to be transparent. When I started this nine to five job that I had 15 years ago, my starting salary was $32,000 plus bonus. When I left it, it was $80,000 plus bonus. The nine to five job that I held was a, similar to a retail type job. I worked all holidays. I worked all weekends, but I was still able to scale and build wealth over the past uh, 18 years. Really, really awesome and incredible story. And uh, I want to give Brendan a chance. He has his hand up here. And then I have a question for you as well, too. Brendan? Yep. Tom, so I'm curious. You know, you mentioned you had, you're experiencing that anxiety feeling, kind of like you're away from what you've always known. How do you plan going forward to kind of help that um, reduce and get you, you know, used to the, the, the not nine to five life? So in 2019, when I planned on doing this the first time, I went to a silence and meditation camp. And this is part of why Clint and I bond, because he he's very familiar with it. And it's a it's a 12 day camp. And I have I had it scheduled for the first week of February. But when I did it in 2019, right before I put in my notice the first time, it just centered me and it 
you know, when you are forced to be in silence and meditate from uh, 4.30 in the morning till 9.30 at night, you get up in your head and you work through a lot of issues. And I was amazed when I rolled out of there um, after on day 12. I wanted to quit every day. It was one of the hardest things I've gone through. It's harder than, you know, running laps in the gym. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. You you think, oh, all you're doing is meditating. I mean, I had bruises on on my legs and on my butt because it was just a, it's a painful experience, but it's a very rewarding experience. So my goal is to kind of go back with that because I know what it did for me in 2019. The, the February one just got canceled due to COVID restrictions, but I am re-registered for a March session. So I, I am, I just bought a new primary residence the last week of December. We're going to move over there this month and I have a rental that's under renovation up in Ohio. And I have a trip planned to go up there. So when I get moved and when I get that rental up and rented, I plan on going to that meditation camp. And I know because of the feelings that I had when I walked out of there in 2019, how it left me feeling and how it just, it, it's an experience. And I mean, I would recommend it to anyone, but I, I need you guys to know that if you go in it, you don't have your phone, you have no communication, you don't have books, you don't have journals. So you are doing nothing but meditating from 4.30 in the morning till 9.30 at night. So it, it's a life experience. So that's kind of, I think once I go through that again and go through that process, and I already know what I'm getting into this time, it's going to help me recenter and refocus my energy. Lauren? Yeah, I have two questions from the chat. Um, one is, how do you beat the fear of quitting your nine to five. And you've, you kind of both have talked to that already. And then the, uh, the other question is, what do you do for health insurance? So my partner still has, my, my husband still has a nine to five. So he, I am on his insurance right now. I, I am real close with debt-free guys who are on their own insurance. Um, and they've walked me through their plans and what they're on and what the costs are and broken it down for me. So when we get to the point right now, we are building my husband's wealth up and and he's buying his doors as well and really getting into real estate and really understanding the power of it. We have a plan going for it for insurance. I, Lauren, I, I'm sorry, I forgot the rest of the question. I just heard the, what was the other question? Oh, beating the fear. Beating the fear. I mean, it's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm like this morning, I woke up at six o'clock because usually I'm at work by seven o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock. It's tough right now. There's so many uncertainties. I mean, I've done a million scenarios. When I was doing this in 2019, we just lived off rental income to make sure we could do it. So if I didn't have a job and he didn't have a job, we, we've done it. I've, I've stacked money um, in my emergency funds too much that people, if they knew what were, was in my emergency fund, would mock me on Twitter. I also went ahead. I was just talking with uh, Lauren before this. I'm really light on real estate debt. I, I don't carry a lot of real estate debt. I've bought a lot of stuff in cash as I've gone. And that's why I haven't scaled huge really quickly. I was buying condos for $10,000 back in 2009. And now I've traded those condos that were 10,000 and now they're 100,000 and I've turned them into different properties now. Right before and when I knew that this was coming, I took out an equity line of credit on on one of my A-class biggest properties that I had paid off just so I have a extra cushion in addition to my um, emergency funds. So that's what I'm doing to beat it. I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm staying as productive. I've got a task every single day. I've got another podcast recording tomorrow. So I'm just trying to keep my routine, but accept 
that I'm in a different situation now and I am struggling. Um, it, uh, again, I'm going to bounce back to, uh, Sunday was the first day that we went out and we went shopping and well, I w- we went out to buy cat food because my husband insists on feeding a stray cat that he named Beatrice, but I ended up buying $400 worth of resale merchandise because I just had this crazy anxiety. We didn't even buy cat food. We bought $400 worth of resale merchandise. And then I got home and I threw it all over my bed and listed merchandise. So I'm going through a different change in life. I'm 39 years old, but I've laid a really solid foundation that I know I'll get there. Okay. This is, this is incredible. And we have questions flowing in. I want to go to Jesse first and then over to Lauren to ask your question. And then if you have any DMs, and then Maddie, you've been waiting for a little bit here. So Jesse, Lauren, Maddie. Uh, I want to give Tom props for the safety nets, like the fiscal and financial safety nets that he set up. And then also the safety nets of his habits and routines, right? I think that's really important. And and I'm not retired. I just I quit my job, but, but I thought it was a really good question about how to get over the fear of quitting your job. And one thing that I told myself was um, now YOLO, right? YOLO. You only live once. And I don't mean that in a, in a fuck it sense. I don't mean that in the way that you go bungee jumping off a cliff from your friend's rented bungee cord YOLO. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I mean is that, you know, we have one life to live and I wanted to live or I wanted to spend my working days, spend my, my labor in a real and meaningful sense. So I asked myself, you know, what do I want to do with my days? And I realized I don't really want to do this boring, comfortable job that I had before. I'd much rather help people with their finances, even though it's new and risky and scary and probably has a higher probability of failure. The worst case is I go back and work on space telescopes. It's not the worst, worst case in the world. So I think my encouragement to anybody who's contemplating leaving your nine to five is, is reminding yourself that you only have so many years on this earth. And what do you want to wake up every day and do? I think you might find your answer if you, if you meditate on that enough. You could even go to Tom's meditation camp and spend 16 hours thinking about it and you might find your answer. Um, I think maybe I will take this opportunity to do my little blurb, which I prepared about how me and my husband are going to leave our nine to five. And then I'm going to dovetail that into a question that I received because I think it, it kind of makes sense to talk about them together. Just for everybody's information, again, our bios are at the top. Um, I'm just going to like quickly go over that. Um, my husband and I, we are real estate investors. We also are index fund investors in our retirement accounts. And we have a brokerage account. We have a little tiny bit of crypto. And my husband is a partner in his engineering firm. So just a, kind of an overview of, of who we are and what our portfolio looks like. Um, we are worth, you know, a bit, a little bit over a million dollars now. We hit that, we hit that pretty recently. And with that milestone, you kind of, I, I think no matter what you think about a million dollars, whether you think that's a lot of money or whether you think that's like not a lot of money, it's a milestone. You may never add another digit to your net worth, right? So I think it's worth celebrating. And I think it's worth sitting back and wondering, okay, where do we go from here? And so naturally we started talking about, you know, what do we want to do with the real estate? What do we want to do with our stocks? And our goal is to be kind of 50% real estate and then 50% everything else, which is where we're sitting right now. We do have, uh, well, by the end of, by the middle of 2022, we're going to have eight short-term rental units and four long-term rental units. And that is, um, that includes a camper that we short-term rent. 
And that includes our primary in that we actually rotate amongst Airbnbs. I don't know if I've talked about this very much, but if one books, another one blocks, and then we move. <laughs> um, so that's that's how we're living. So that includes kind of all of that. But you know, right now our cash flows are about fifty thousand from that. And if we were to convert the rest of our LTRs to STRs, our cash flow would be about a hundred thousand. So in some ways we're very, very close to being work optional. Certainly one of us is <laughs> given he's a partner in his firm, I guess it's pretty much me. So just as an FYI, our plan is to get the business, our, our, our rental business stable this year. Next year, the goal is to save everything that I make, um, have nothing, have nothing that I make go towards the real estate or our expenses and then quit my job in 2024 when I am 35. So that's just an FYI of kind of what my plan is. I'm going to use real estate to do it. That's where I'm at. That's me and my husband's plan for quitting our job. Again, we're, we're not, we're not quite there yet, but we are, we are very much thinking about it. And the question I received was what, how do you finance the first few doors? You know, do you work extra to, you know, have the money? Do you get loans? What is that? And so my answer with that is my first property I bought my first year out of school in 2012 and I bought a three bedroom, two bath house and I got a roommate. So I house hacked kind of right away. My payment was like seven twenty five, and my roommate paid me like five fifty or something. Um, I was a manager at Toys R Us. I was making 28,000 a year, but I started building some net worth pretty early on with that house. And if I was going to actually trace that house through, I sold that house bought a duplex for cash. And then I recently 1031 to that duplex into a six unit apartment building. So that's how that went. <laughs> and it all started with that first primary. Now, naturally, I had to move out at one point to rent that out, right? So I bought kind of my second primary. And I've used W2 income to do that. I mean, Tom, Clint, Stephen, they'll, they'll tell you the best thing a lender can see is a W2. And, and especially if it's a high W2, I mean, we had our lender told me and my husband were unicorns. We, I mean, we don't have car loans. We don't have student loans. We don't have credit card loans. You know, we make our W2 income is, you know, mid 200s, right? Like they love us, right? But um, you can also once what our lender told us is once you have your W2 income, what you can do is you kind of use that to get your first rental. And then once that rental has, say, annual leases on it, you can use that as income. And it also kind of cancels out that rental property a little bit. And then you can kind of use your W-2 to get the other rental, another rental property. So it's kind of like you always kind of have to qualify for your or your primary and one rental, as long as, as you're adding them, they're kind of being proven to pay for themselves. There is a limit to how many you can do. It might be 10. Tom, I see you've thrown up some emojis. So maybe maybe you know that. Um, you can only do that for so long, though, before you have to you know, do commercial loans and other things like that. But go ahead, Tom. I, I think it's four conventional loans. I don't know about the 10 and I don't, I'm not an FHA advocate or a hard money loan advocate. 10, but, 10 might have been pre 08 now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yes. I think I, I remember when I started buying houses in Texas and taking out loans for them, it was, I was always, it was a, a horrific process. That's what I'll say about that just because of the amount of properties I had and trying to work those through. So now they're all in my business name and 
when I apply, it's a whole lot different, but I think it's for, so how did I get started on the first couple of doors? I house hacked just like Lauren. I bought a duplex. I, I worked at the gap making five fifteen an hour. And I signed up for the gap stock purchase plan. And when I was 21, I cashed in that gap stock and I made a little bit more than five fifteen. They probably paid me like five thirty three at that point, but they gave me a loan. And I had a good $10,000 down payment from all my gap stock that I made since I was 16. And I purchased that first multifamily property, which was $90,000 at the time. It was a duplex. I lived in the little crappy unit upstairs. That was totally not what I wanted. But my dad and my grandma came and they're like, rent out the nice one and live upstairs in the crappy one. So I listened and I did it. And now I don't regret it. But at the time I was like, this place is ugly and I don't want to live up here. So I house hacked. And then when I got to Dallas and I started buying condos and, and different types of properties, I had roommates. I, I Up to a certain point, up till I was like 31, I always had a roommate. I always, you know, in my multifamily properties and, and I made that work for me. I used it to my advantage. That first house, my payment was $738 and I rented the downstairs for $600. So... I had a $138 house payment. I mean, where can you live for $138? So that was kind of how I got the ball rolling. You know, I, I got into, the, someone was debating on, on Instagram about how unaffordable Dallas is. And I'm like, if you go in with these HGTV expectations and you go in and you want to buy that $500,000 condo in the center of downtown, yeah, it is unaffordable. But if you go in with realistic expectations, you make it a little bit better while you live there for two years, you can trade up the same exact way that I've done it. You can turn that $150,000 condo into a $200,000 condo when you sell it in two years. And then you use that for the next one and you just level up. And I mean, every year I'm selling off a different property. This year I, I sold off uh, one property and bought two properties with, with the proceeds from it. Thank you, Tom. Awesome. And I forgot, Maddie, did you, were you going to ask about fear as well? Or did you have another question? No, I was, I was literally, cause I'm in a situation where I'm doing okay with some of my side hustles and like you guys, you know, seemed rather successful at your nine to fives. And it, it, I have angst, right. I have anxiousness about like, you know, you're doing well in a nine to five, have a great career kind of going for you yet. You have these other hands and pots that are also growing, but it's also seemed starved for your time as well. Uh, so I have angst about, you know, Hey, you know, do you leave something that's secure that might be there for a year or two, and if the opportunity comes where, say, they're doing a downsizing or something like that, then take, you know, your money and run and, and, and go to maybe use that proceeds to, to go fund your other things. But the thing that bothers me is it's like it's hard to walk away from a salary of six figures plus and a, a good bonus and also like a, a good health care and benefit system. So I'm really just like trying to hear from folks that have done it like. You know, I'm also 30, so it's like to retire or like, you know, leave nine to five at 30 is kind of like stupid. It's like, it's like I've had people tell me, just wait till you're 35. You know, you have four or five more years, be able to collect another, you know, close to 750 to a million dollars, put that in the bank, and then, you know, then worry about it. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm in, I'm, I've been in this angst period for like the past year, year and a half, because I know the time is coming within a year or two or five, depending on, and I just would love to hear thoughts from like-minded individuals like yourself. 
Love it. That's an incredible question. And uh, I want to give, let's go through the panel on that one. Coach, Brennan, Jesse, and then Tom. Yeah, Maddie, it's it's a very interesting and challenging question. And I, I, I can share a bit of where my headspace is at with that one. Despite what I write and my investment strategy with Bitcoin, Ethereum, real estate, I'm, uh, I can be super risk averse and I'm in the boat you're talking about. Like Steve will always say that I probably should already be retired or could be retired. And, and there's a level of fear that's super high in pulling the trigger. And what, that's why I love a space like this because I can hear all the different strategies and I can say something that will get Tom to pull the trigger and retire. And I'm hearing two or three things from Brennan, from Jesse. And Brennan, I was thinking of you tonight because this spring I'm going to try something that will allow me potentially pull the trigger sooner. So Maddie, what I've done, I have a a five-year retirement plan. And I have certain businesses that I'm building on the side. I want to get them to a certain income level. I want my net worth. I'm about 62 and a half, roughly percent of the way to my net worth target, uh, especially with the realization that my real estate's up uh, about a million dollars since I last updated it. So that will help. But the realization that Brennan put into my mind when he did it, and I've been thinking about it, is with Omicron, with COVID, people want space, they want flexibility. And in the spring, I may try to sell my single family home for an absurd number. And if I can achieve it, I'll downsize into a townhouse and have no mortgage. And that will expedite the ability to retire much sooner because like Brendan said, when I won't have, if I don't have that mortgage payment anymore, then there's a lot less stress on me and the family. I should be able to, given the skill set and abilities, do enough from the uh, businesses that I will be running to be able to support my family then. But I cannot do that while living in this house and paying this mortgage. So putting the plan together and then taking the steps to achieve that plan so that you can overcome the fear and the blocks that are in your way. And so for me, it's five years away. Or if I do that, it could be as little as three years away. And uh, Sean, FI Squirrel, I see you've got your hand up. So I'll pass it over to you, brother. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys all for sharing your story. It's like you've all kind of echoed. It's really good to hear because I'm like many of you. I'm theoretically there, but I suffer so badly from that one-year syndrome, self-doubt of I can't possibly do this. This can't be real. Tom, it seems like you took a few more years. You said this has been many years in the making. Brennan, I feel like you kind of made up your mind and you just went for it. Did Did you... Brennan, specifically, did you suffer through that one year more syndrome or were you and your wife like right on the same page and just dead set and knew where you were headed? Man, still to this day, I still have fear. I mean, I think that's something that you're always going to live with to an extent, but I don't think fear is a bad thing. So I 
think I want to take a step back. I don't think nine to fives are a bad thing at all. I don't think fear of quitting that nine to five is a bad thing at all. I think you can use that to your advantage. Um, I think me having the fear that, hey, if I don't provide or don't, you know, produce results, my family doesn't eat or I have to go back to my nine to five um, and do something I don't want to do. And I think that's what drives me. So I think fear is actually healthy. I mean, I think anxiety is healthy. I think all of those types of things are healthy when you're dealing with that. Um, and I think if you have a workable business model, you have a lot of confidence in what you have. You have a, you know, something that's actually producing results and not just yellowing um, like Jesse was joking about earlier, like actually having something in, in place. I think you'll be fine. Um, also having that safety net, you know, as a CPA, I know that if I need to, I can go back into the workforce um, and I, I'll find a job. Um, so I think all of those things in place are very helpful. And if I'm being honest, my, my wife having a nine to five really helps my confidence. Um, now the goal is to retire her as well. And so hopefully that changes, but I don't know where my confidence level is going to be. I mean, it gets shooken up like no other. Um, and we've been talking about this a lot, almost every day. Um, and so that's where I'm at right now. But I think that fear is always going to be there. But you have to ask yourself, you know, 30, 40 years from now, are you going to regret that you, you didn't try that, you know, venture or that you failed? And I think that's what I've always lived with. And the first thing that comes to mind is I would rather fail. I failed my whole life. I continue to fail. Um, and I just don't care and to an extent. Like I just learn and I just figure it out as I go. Um, and I think I have enough confidence, although I have that fear, um, to push through that at, at, to an extent, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's very, very well said. And uh, I, I, I didn't like what Lauren had mentioned before about taking a year to practice. I never thought about doing that. But say I wanted to take uh, to retire, I could work that one more year, but try not to spend a dime of that money and, and bank it. And then in that case, it's a win win, because if it goes as well as I think it should, I'll have a whole bunch of money saved up. And if it doesn't go as well as I think I should, I've just banked a year and I can reassess my plan after that. So I do like that idea. My other question I wanted to ask uh, Jesse and Tom specifically is now that you've made this transition into Jesse, a new career and Tom into your next ventures, kind of like your identity has shifted in a, in a major way. Like Jesse, you are an engineer. You're I'm not going to call you a rocket scientist, but it does sound like you are a rocket scientist. You're now going from that Jesse and now you're becoming freelance personal finance Jesse. Is that hard to adapt mentally to being this, this new person, this new career? Like you're, you're obviously going to run into people you knew and you're going to have to explain to these people like, yeah, I've pivoted. And is that going to be weird or hard? And Tom, you could follow up at the end too. You've, you've now made this brand new identity where, you're going to have to be able to say to people, this is what I do. And, and to be honest, most people are uncomfortable when they hear someone doesn't work a nine to five job. So I'm curious how both of you guys are going to approach that. Yeah, squirrel. It's a good question. Um, for what it's worth, you know, the rockets give us the ride. I was working on the payloads, <laughs> but, but now I'm not, but now I'm not anymore. Um, but I just think that your work, I mean, your work is obviously a big part of who you are, but just you know, we're, we're multidimensional beings. And so, yes, I was an engineer, but I was also a baker and an athlete and a guy who helped with finances and a guy who tried to be nice and funny and, you know, all these different character traits. 
and now I think when people meet, when I run into someone who maybe hasn't seen me for a while, maybe they didn't even know about the best interest, but they did know about who I was as a person. So I don't think, I don't think they'll be surprised that it's like, hey, I started this project in personal finance and investing. It kind of took off and got a life of its own. I decided to dump my heart and soul into it. And now I've made a new career. And I, I think that people are going to see that and be like, yeah, that, that kind of sounds on, on brand for Jesse. And that's reasonable. So I'm, I'm not, not too scared of it or too worried about it. Um, and I'll, I'll just pause there because I, I bet Tom's got a good answer too. So go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I am already struggling with that a little bit because uh, they always say when you don't have a job and you're not looking for a job, people are going to bring you jobs. And I had a, a friend today offer me a job. They're like, do you want to come work with me? And that's not, you know, I, I've been in this nine to five job that I left last week for 15 years. So, yes, it is kind of part of my identity. And that's why last March I said, I'm going to start the frugal gay. And even though I have no followers, I'm going to stick with it and make it so it can be part of my new identity. So when I, people approach me with these uncomfortable, Oh, uh, do you need a job? Do you want to come work with me? I, 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 you know, I'm a real estate investor. I'm a side hustle enthusiast and I am the frugal gay and I want to connect with other like-minded individuals, personal finance. People really cringe when I say that. So the frugal gay is a more fun way to, to discuss it. And then when you toss in that I accidentally bought a crack house and I sell bras, it makes it a more comfortable conversation for me and people get real uncomfortable when you just go to finance. So I try and make it, as fun as I can when I have those uncomfortable truths that I need to you've have. Gotta the, you've got to be the easiest conversation at cocktail parties. Cause you could literally drop any of those one liners and it's like two hours of everybody probably circling around saying, tell me more. I mean, when my husband and I go out and they ask about bras, we just start going. And, and then it's real funny when he pipes up and he's like, oh, sports bras, those don't sell. And these bras sell. And you want the T-shirt bras. I mean, we can just go on for days and different shades of color. And people are, I mean, we've got makeup and bras down. And that's part of us. And that makes it a whole lot easier letting go of my nine to five identity and transitioning into this, this new chapter. All right, Tom, top seller. What's the top selling bra? Oh, definitely um, no underwire online. Uh, no underwire padded. And, and it's funny because my husband knows and goes in when we source and he just like knocks away all the crap and picks up the good ones like he knows. And he's bought all of them at one point and he knows just from doing sales with me. He's like, well, we're not going to sell these, so I'm not going to buy them. And I'm like, you're right. We need to. So, yeah, so. No underwire, and I bet you Lauren will back me on that one. Lauren, what do you think? Yeah, that those are both. <laughs> I think those were invented by men, honestly. <laughs> All right, we're going to go down to... You have to do yours, too. Don't forget. <laughs> I, I just wanted to, to thank you for all the great information you put out there. I actually, I'm very big on a crypto project that I'm passionate about, and then I saw the thing about the, the building of the rig, and I'm actually pretty techie. And I'm like, you know what? I'm buying the toys to uh, do my own mining because I'm invested in 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 another project in 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 my hometown. Um, but for for the people who keep saying about the nine to five, um, someone 
who I admire a lot, who is actually very good about uh, email correspondence, said, you know, you're going to trade you're going to trade a 40 hour job to work for yourself for 60 to 80 hours. So for the impression that, you know, for those of us who own properties, I, I got into electrical because as I was doing, you know, other ways to find real estate by doing electrical, I was literally getting instant access to people hiring me that I'm like, okay, you need to sell me your home and, and get out of this property. So I work 60 to 80, but for myself and like Brendan was saying, the pressure for yourself is greater than any boss that you'll ever have. You know, when you have to pay your own mortgage and your own outings and your own, you know, child stuff and everything, that is the best motivation. It is very scary because you got to wake up in the morning and know your tenant has to, you know, make money. You know, your properties have to invest, your stocks, your your crypto, whatever. Um, but you don't trade nine to five to, to you know, sleep in all day and play Xbox. You're, you're going to definitely work and maintain it. Um, you're going to probably work 60 hours, but you're going to have a smile on your face because it's yours. The, your vertical is you. Who's above you? Whoever you, whoever you make above yourself. Um, so I just wanted to add that, the whole sense of all of us, like, I'm in my 40s, you know, and I own the businesses and I have my real estate. I'm in stocks. I'm in everything because I want to, because I enjoy the financial freedom of it. But I'm definitely working more than nine to five. But it doesn't seem like work because I'm having a great time doing it. But that pressure, it's almost like its own drug. Um, so it's not like anybody, uh, at least I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, it wasn't retiring in my forties. It was financial independence so that I could work for myself, my nine to five on my terms. That's great. I like that. Your nine to five on your terms. I love it. Thank you, Larry. So taking that lead from Lauren, we got about 15, 20 minutes left here in the spaces and I haven't shared my story with quitting nine to five or being work optional, which is my case. So I'll, I'll just I'll quickly go, run through it. Uh, if you go on my profile, um, three tweets down, I split out the passive income that I have. And you'll notice there, uh, it is enough for me to retire. So that makes me work optional. I could cover all of my monthly expenses with the passive income that I earn. I earn money through crypto mining, covered calls, dividends, and a rental property. The problem I have in why I can't like Tom and Brennan punch the clock and get out of this is because half of it is coming from crypto mining. So I mine Ethereum full time uh, and it makes a great side income. However, as many guys here will know, Ethereum is going through a migration and a shift in the middle of uh, this year now. Uh, and so I am focused on trying to replace that income, whether it's through a different coin or through a different means. And so that is a large motivation behind my account is to um, help people get into crypto mining so that they can help me find what the new project is that I'm looking for. And so if I can find another crypto coin to mine, and there are some out there, I don't want to plug them. That's not the point of this. But if I can replace that, then I can remain work optional and uh, do what I want to do. Now, part of the problem too is I'm, I am already self-employed and I do already enjoy what I do um, nine to five. However, it's really empowering being work optional and I want to maintain that. I want to keep that and find new opportunities and avenues to express creativity, create things, build an online brand, et cetera, et cetera. And so, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're curious as to what my passive income is, it's on my profile there. 
I break it all down. I don't really want to have it on record here because we do record this and um, it goes on to the podcast there and stuff. And so if you're curious, just go on to my, on to my p- Twitter profile and you can see what the, my income sources are there and I break it all down. Sorry, I don't know if anyone has any questions or any follow-up on that. I think Nelson has been a speaker for a little bit. We haven't heard from him. We also have Dreammaker and Reed as well. Yeah, thanks. I'll go, I'll go next if you guys don't mind. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you. Um, this is a great Great discussion. A lot of awesome, awesome people here. Um, some that I know personally, um, you guys are really great. And I think that everybody here is gaining a lot from this. So again, thank you. Um, two quick questions. First one is for Brennan. Um, following kind of a similar route as you as a CPA and then transitioning into an entrepreneur, you mentioned that you had to deal with friends and potentially family that started looking at you different when you started shifting your branding, your messaging, everything. Could you share with us maybe how you overcame that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And like I said earlier, I was a very private person. So I didn't use social media for anything. Like if you looked at my personal profile, I might have 10 Instagram posts since like 2012. So I never put anything out there. I never told anything to anybody. And now they're seeing all this stuff because I have to be, you know, sharing my brand and stuff like that um, with you guys to, you know, share good content. And so how did I overcome that? And that's a really, really good question because I, I still struggle with it. I mean, there's still be family parties where, you know, people come up to me and say, you know, why did you pay off your house? And I don't want to talk about that at family parties. It's like, it's kind of like your nine to five. Like sometimes like people like to have their nine to five separate. They go home to their, their house, home life, and they live a different life in a sense. Same thing with me. When I go to family parties, I don't really want to talk about my brand per se or what we did financially but it does come up because you've put it out there. Um, and so it's something you have to become and, you know, grow accustomed to. Um, and I think it comes with confidence. I think it comes with, you know, owning what you're doing and having legitimate basis behind it. And I think if you, if you speak intelligently on it and you have a reason behind it and, and you play it, you know, downplay it, maybe even when these questions do come up or divert the question, you know, divert the situation, you're going to be fine. Um, and it's going to die down with time. I think when everyone hears about it, you know, the first time my parents and my grandparents found out I was going to the New York stock exchange, the next party I saw everybody at, it was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like what? And it was like, it was endless, but I, I knew going, I kind of prepped myself going to the house. I knew that was going to happen. So it's just a mindset shift. I think you're going to have to have, I don't know if there's a really a great straightforward answer, Besides, it's something you just kind of learn to grow with. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And for me personally, I think it's uh, number one is not taking things personally and um, just letting, you know, thoughts come and go as people start to, you know, think them or speak them upon emotion. So thanks for sharing that. Um, second quick question is just for kind of anybody. I know there's a few of you out there who said you're index investors. Um, do you have any resources for beginner investors? Because there might be some beginner investors in our audience today. Brennan might know a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I just didn't want to plug, but, you know. (laughs) I was was waiting. I was like, whoever wants this can have it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Jesse has a book, the book Money Mastermind that just came out. Um, He was, um, he was talking about that a little earlier, if you were on Nelson. And that is a book with everybody, like 30 personal finance creators. I want to say it's about almost 300 pages, an excellent resource to begin with. Um, and then I also have investing 101, 
which is everything the investor needs to know and setting the foundation. Um, so those two resources are available. Is there any way, uh, Jesse, I don't want you, can you, is there a way can you can put that in the nest? I know you were asking earlier what nests are and stuff. I don't know if you need to collaborate with Lauren behind the scene with the DM, I'll, but it'd be I'll great do, if I'll you could put that. Yeah, if you could just, because I think yeah. you also do a discount code too. We're not trying to plug it or anything, but it, it was asked and here it is if, you, if you're looking for it. Yeah, um, but that'd be great. And um, real, sorry, Stephen, real quick. I'll be very quick only because a couple people DMs, everybody listening. If you do end up wanting to get this book, you can use code spaces as in the thing we're in right now, spaces at checkout to save 30%. And I'll work with Lauren in the background or Clint to get a link in the nest. How's that sound? Yep. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, I've got two links up there now, Jesse. There was a oh, one of them was actually a reply you had to Budget Dog. Sorry, it was actually oh, yeah. yourself. And then the other is uh, when you did your New Year launch. I just scrolled through your timeline. Uh, I, I, I will throw out just because it's index investing. We, we also have a friend who's often in this community on Spaces, uh, Kenny from Accent and in, Investing just released a book on uh, just index investing. So as, as another resource, please uh, check out uh, Kenny. I've got a copy uh, printed out and there's solid two to 300 pages of just index investing, which uh, seemed incredible to me because I thought you, uh, I thought index investing was supposed to be the simple thing. So that one blew me away. Awesome. Reed, you've had your hand up and been waiting for a while. Yeah, I just wanted to come up and say you guys are getting me drunk on quitting my nine to five. <laughs> of uh, those, those those who do know me, I'm I'm a software engineer and I, I, I invest in real estate, I invest in stocks, I invest in crypto. But um, last year, I actually took on some freelancing. And currently, my 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 freelance that I do in the evening uh, well, I should say my my real estate um, has kind of gotten to a place where it's it's a lot lower. My my mortgage uh, is being is paid down. So I don't I don't have a lot of a high expense. And so um, my freelance that I do in the evening, which is only a couple hours in the evening, I discovered that it actually covers all of my expenses. So <laughs> so when you guys are talking about, oh, just just take the jump. I'm sitting here thinking I, I could just do it. I, I could just do it because then I have so much more time to expand myself and get more freelancing gigs and do more. And anyways, uh, and th- I had a question specifically uh, more for, for, for probably Jesse, because I've read uh, a handful of your, your blogs and, you know, I'm, I'm a software engineer, so I'm, I'm much in the weeds of numbers. Right. And so, I, I sit here and think, you know, if I left my nine to five, you know, there's all these risks that I'm taking on if I did do it. But if I stay in my nine to five and have that consistent money coming in, that like it would be more, it, it's currently more than I actually need, right? Because my, like my freelancing job covers my expenses, right? So I sit here with the numbers and I'm like, if I just keep flushing all this into my investments, then, you know, and th- at this time, I'll be completely financially free off my investments. So 
I guess my question to you, Jesse, is more: How did you? <laughs> how did you be like? I I should I could stay at my job and you know cr- crunch your numbers, or you can kind of take a little. I mean, I don't. Maybe you're not taking a hit. Maybe you've made enough on your your side stuff to to not take a hit, but kind of take that that leap from. I'm just going to, I'm going to take a little bit more risk and try to try to go on my own. Yeah. A good, good question, Reed. Now my scenario is, you know, specific to me. It might not be the same for everyone else, but my transition in careers, I'm taking a hit up front. You know, my base salary is now lower than what my base salary was two months ago by maybe 20, 25%. But if anybody knows the trajectory of an engineer's salary, it's fairly flat. You start higher than normal, but unless you want to go into management um, and then in the executive chain, if you just want to be an engineer your whole career, it's a fairly flat trajectory. My new career, though, kind of has no ceiling. And one thing I really enjoy about the incentive system is that the better I do at helping people and the more people I help, the more I earn. So I'm kind of incentivized, at least I hope I will be. We'll see how that plays out over the next few years. But um, as far as the money goes, my new base salary, it's enough. You know, no one likes taking a hit, but I think I'll be okay. And then I'm excited about the fact that I think if I do my job well, and if I pursue the things that I want to do, uh, I think that'll be expressed in the, the money that I earn. Thank you, Jesse. Clint, you had your hand up, Ben. Yeah, I was just going to comment and say, Reed, based on the fact that any time I open up this application, I see that you are in a spaces. I thought you had already retired, and I was going to ask you advice on how I could go about retiring and becoming a full-time spaces star. So, uh, that, that that's the job I want. I just yet. want a full time job in spaces. If I if I can do that, you know, I'll, 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 uh, that'll be my retirement spaces. I don't know, Clint. That's you're one to talk about that, Mister Purple Circle over there. <laughs> we have I, I don't I, a dream maker has been like sitting on the sidelines for quite a while, so I don't want to bypass you. What's going on? Hello, folks. Thanks for having me here this evening. So I just want to share my story just real quickly, and I'm here more for advice than I am to give advice, because I think I'm either the dumbest person in this space or the most courageous. And that's because I am 58 and almost a half years old, spent about 35 years working in marketing and communications, primarily in the higher education world. Back in August, I quit a $100,000 a year job cold turkey. I had no plan whatsoever, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I quit basically for two reasons. The number one is the most important, and that was my mental health. And the second reason was just, and it's tied together, my happiness. I was absolutely miserable. I was burnt out, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I know looking back now four and a half years or four and a half months later, that probably wasn't the wisest thing to do. My therapist encouraged me strongly for several months, build on the side, get a plan. And, you know, I was just so drained that I couldn't even work the nine to five 
and do the the hustle on the side. It was kind of I had to do one or the other, and I couldn't do the one, so I walked away. So that's created some issues, of course. We did have an emergency fund built up that would probably last about 10 months, and you know I'm a good almost five months into that. Uh, we have a decent portfolio for our retirement. My wife also worked for about 30 years. So we probably build up about a about a $700,000 portfolio. But the problem is it's not a liquid portfolio. Most of that came from our 401ks, from our employers. We were smart enough to uh, take advantage of employee matches along the way and, and things like that. But quite frankly, we're really ignorant when it comes to investing. I just bought the book, The Money Mastermind. Can't wait to dig in and, and, and start to learn more. Um, but it's getting a little bit late in the game to be, um, I don't want to say reckless, because, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but if, if, you're, if you're so distraught and mentally torn up, uh, what, what good's that going to do you? So that's, that's basically my story. On the bright side of things, uh, I have gone through um, a lot of uh, what I'll call healing over the last uh, four months, five months. I'm not quite there yet, but you know, I've learned so much here on Twitter in these in these last couple months. I've learned the importance of mindset. I've learned the importance of confidence. I've learned the importance of building a network of like-minded people strangers who are becoming friends very quickly. And, and this is what's contributing to my ongoing upward trajectory. I definitely hit that, that bottom. And, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on the rise now. And, uh, the reason I'm here in these spaces is to, to listen and learn, but I just kind of wanted to throw that story out there and, uh, hopefully, you know, learn from my mistakes, but also don't underestimate the importance of mental health. So thank you very much for the opportunity to speak tonight. Yeah, Sean, the you're allowed to stop counting the half when you when you hit a certain age. So you're I think you're there already, brother. What you've done for your mental health and that cannot be understated. So the yes might have been better off financially to keep going, but you were in a rough spot and from my recollection you were in the education field and the last year and a half continuing to do that with everything that's been happening in education with COVID and isolation. Like, like it would, I can't imagine it would have been better for your mental health. It feels like it would have been even worse. So for you to make the right decision for you and your mental health, and then to, start to grow in the ways that you've been growing like when you come up and jump on the spaces and tell us what's happening in your life and being in the communities that you're in networking with the people that you're networking with uh, I think you are on an upward trajectory and can't wait to see what comes from it and wish you all the best on your journey number one thing I'm supportive is anyone who makes a decision that is for their mental health because there's no job that's worth sacrificing your mental health. Thank you for saying that, uh, Coach Quint. You're so right. Um, just to kind of put a bow on this, 
you know, I've been networking. I've reached out to some old contacts. I'm going to be picking up some freelance writing work. Um, I'm going to get into some investments and I'm going to continue to, uh, you know, to try to build an online business, you know, affiliate marketing. There's a lot of different ways to earn revenue, but there may come a point here in the next couple of months that I do have to go back for employment. The reason I uh, add that and half, because at 58 and a half, I'm only a year away from being able to tap into a, you know, a decent portfolio, but I, I don't want to just drain that. Um, I, I want to just, again, learn more about proper investing and, and continue to build um, because who knows, I might live to be 85 years old and, you know, I want that to be a very prosperous life. So thanks again for the uh, the mic tonight. Anybody else have anything to, to weigh in on that one? Jesse or Brennan or Tom? I mean, pursuing something that makes you happy, that doesn't drive you crazy. I think that's got to be a good thing. If that's not a good thing, then I don't know what it is. So that's all. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And the reason I left my nine to five is because I was, I was seeking that. Right. And it going back to my nine to five made my mental health improve. I would do that in five seconds and I would never sacrifice that. So that's a really, it's really good insight. I love it guys. We're going to wrap. Um, I just want to give everyone on the panel a chance to share some closing, closing thoughts and ideas. We'll start with coach and then Lauren. Oh, wow. Thank you. The, so I, I think you've all heard some amazing stories tonight, whether it's Brennan making a plan and then 10 months later pulling the trigger, recognizing that you can, you can be aggressive if you've done the smart things and been conservative in the right ways to support that aggression, right? So, uh, when Brennan first started talking about paying off the home mortgage and, and was having those debates with Uncommon, I was I, I had probably a thousand followers and I thought, hey, the math's wrong on what he's doing. But psychologically, if he's doing it for a psychological reason, totally makes sense. And Brennan, you may remember those days. And it psychologically freed him up to take a big risk. Right, psychologically freed him up to quit his job. So do things for the right reasons and you can take big steps. Tom thought about doing it two years ago and uh, allowed allowed his mind to convince him that he couldn't do it. And in fairness to him, though, over those two years, he's built up even more of a real estate portfolio and he's gained the confidence to take the steps and go out on his own and live the life he wants to lead. Jesse left a career that, Jesse, I didn't even know that you had uh, multiple degrees in engineering and worked on spacecraft. Like that's next level. And the fact that all that schooling, all that training, all that education, and you left it to pursue something that you're passionate about, which is teaching people money, uh, next level. Love that you did that and wish you all the success in the world with it. Jesse also shared how he wrote his book, which is an amazing accomplishment given the number of people that he got to collaborate on that when he saw Tim Ferriss do it with Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors. 
uh, Jesse then said, hey, wait, I'm going to do that for the financial independence, financial Twitter community. And we've already had two people in the audience message us and say they bought a copy. We've got a link up in the nest. If you want to learn about the money that uh, about it, then buy a copy and let us all know how it goes uh, in future spaces. It's amazing what he's done there. And then Lauren loved uh, your path on how you're going to get there. Steve, you too. So that's my recap. Amazing night. Lots of learning. Uh, you have all inspired me to take some next steps and stop being as afraid as I am of pulling the trigger. So thank you. And over to you, Lauren. Thanks, clients. Guys, thank you so much for joining. This has been one of our most successful spaces as always, I just love that I get to spend time with Stephen and Clint and Tom um, every single week. And so many of you join us and I've gotten to know you. And I really do just think this is an amazing group of people. I love learning from you all. And, and Tom said it too, that it's really inspirational to hear everybody speak. And I really do feel like it's like the rising tide floats all boats. Like the better we all do, the better we're all going to do. And uh, I think, you know, quitting your nine to five or, you know, said another way, transitioning to doing what you really want to be doing is really the kind of the, the best way to go about your life. And uh, I'm looking forward to following in, in your footsteps soon. Tom, you want to go next? Absolutely. Uh, I just want to thank everyone. Again, I'm leaving here inspired. It's amazing listening to everyone's stories and their journey. Um, I appreciate you guys following along with mine. It keeps me going. Tonight I posted about cabinets and should I rip them out? And the amount of res responses is just amazing because I was ready to rip these cabinets out. And then I posted on Twitter and everyone's like, save them. So you guys motivate me just as much as I'm here to motivate you. Um, if you guys aren't already, please click follow on, on the six of us on the panel and you can follow the squirrel as well since he's here so often he's like our fill-in and and read as well reads reads up here quite a bit maybe not as much as um fi squirrel but um i appreciate you guys and um all of you that are listening that i dm and interact with and message with and talk to i appreciate you guys because just those little messages are what keeps me going. And I hope that I can do the same and return the favor back to you guys. Cause I, Lauren and Evelyn, and I just see like a hundred people in here right now that I, I network with on a, a regular basis. And I appreciate all you guys. FI squirrel. Do you have a rebuttal? <laughs> I don't deserve the mic. I just, the guy that lurks all the time and can't resist requesting. Thanks for doing wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. You're not just the guy that lurks. I have it on authority today that uh, there's people on the financial Twitter community that think you may have the sexiest voice in spaces. That is the word on the street, my friend. I said I got to try this new voice channel, a voice transformer. And I hear a high pitch right now. Is this working? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right i'm back i wish there was a dead emoji <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm done we got to do a poll though i think that's a great idea i don't i don't agree with uh i don't agree with the statement but i think there's some pretty sexy voices out here on twitter no I, i'm team squirrel all the way so keep keep your your voice the way it is 
How do how do you how do you follow that, man? Okay, uh, <laughs> Brennan or Jesse, let's we'll close up with some closing comments with you from you two, if you don't mind. Um, Brennan, would you like to go first? No high pitch squeals, though, if you don't mind. I'll try. I'll try to keep it PG here. Um, but hey, thank you everybody for coming tonight. Um, remember, social media I think is one of the coolest things we have in our generation um, if you use it the right way. The stories of everyone tonight were just inspiring. It makes me want to soak in every last word. But learn from what we talked about tonight. But I also want to learn from you guys. And I think that's one of the coolest things about social media is putting us in successful circles, whether it be online or real life, and learning from each other. I think that's so important. So like Tom said, DM us. Uh, I love when I get to meet you guys and get to know you. Um, And surrounding yourself is only going to benefit you. So I'm honored to have the opportunity tonight. I thank you all for having me, um, and I'm sure I'll be back. Yeah, I can't echo what Brennan said enough. It's been a real pleasure being here. Thank you for uh, inviting me on, Lauren and Coach and Steven and Tom. And to like 200 of you who are listening, thank you guys. And I'll just say this. One topic that came up a lot was about fear, the fear of leaving your 9 to 5, the fear of quitting. And for me at least – There are many things in life that I fear much more than stubbing my toe on my career journey. So fear is just a, it's just a small little hiccup in the way. And I encourage you all to face that fear and and to see what you can do in in your own career path. So good luck, everybody. You're a poet, Justin. Thank you for leading us out like that. I don't want to add anything on that. It's absolutely spot on fear and getting over it. And I don't want to add anything. Um, this uh, will be this has been recorded, and it'll be available on the Adulting Is Easy podcast in a day or two. Thank you, everyone, for being with us tonight, and we'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. We do this every week, uh, nine thirty Eastern. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone, and thanks, Steve, for hosting. You did a great job tonight, buddy. Love you. Well done. <laughs>